Praise God. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. Father, give us mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And there is never a time that we don't need you, Lord. You are our very life and we know it. We thank you for it. We bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today I thought I'd speak about the fact that he heals to the uttermost. Amen. He heals to the uttermost. He heals to the uttermost. Uh, and, and if you'll turn to Hebrews 7, chapter 7, it, it's a familiar scripture to us because the scripture actually says he saves to the uttermost. But I was meditating on this yesterday and the Lord told me, he said, well, he said, how could you interpret that? He said, people believe me for that, for uh, salvation, you know, the born again experience. He says, but I save over and over again. He said that word sozo means to heal. It means to deliver, to set free. And so that kind of opened up a new understanding for me of what God really means when he says he goes to the uttermost uh, lengths to make sure that this covenant is kept. This covenant of salvation, that is, you're saved from sin and healing which means being saved from the effects of sin on your mortal body. Wholeness, soundness, peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. He goes to the uttermost lengths to assure you of all of that. It's good news to me. That's really good news because, see, when once we're born again, this scripture may not mean a whole lot to us. Because you think to yourself, okay, he's saved to the uttermost. Well, I'm saved. But what does that mean if you just think about it in terms of the born-again experience? You don't get born again over and over again. So and a lot of times, well, I'll tell you the way I used to always thought of it. I thought if somebody backslid, then God would go to extraordinary lengths to get them back. And he does. But if this scripture only applies to people who backslide, then it doesn't mean much for the rest of us who stay faithful. So it's got to have some meaning to the faithful and to the people who struggle or or maybe uh, there are a lot of different reasons people walk away from from exercising their covenant with God. But I thought about it in terms of not so much now is salvation saved, which means going to heaven and not going to hell, but expand your definition of salvation, of what saved means. Saved, saves, saved means wholeness, soundness, health, deliverance, freedom from the enemy's power. He goes to utter lengths to make sure we have that. And when I thought about it that way, I thought, God, what does that mean as far as physical healing is concerned? He says, that means I'll go over and above and beyond to get you healed. Amen. I'll go over and above and beyond to make sure you have no pain in your body. Over and above and beyond to make sure you have soundness in your body and wholeness and health. Amen. And you're not lacking in anything. And then your health won't be contingent on you, what you do. Because little by little, works start to creep in 
to this whole picture. You know, I stay faithful to God because I read my word every day. I do this every day. I do that every day. Well, pretty soon there's no grace then that you're saved by faith. You're more saved for your works. And, and oh boy, if you quit doing any of them works, you're in trouble. You know, and I'm not against you doing things that keep you in, 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 in the presence of God. And in the spirit of God, I'm not against that because there are some good habits we can develop that will keep us from straying away from God. You know, like when it's it's like little kids, you know, if for those of you who are parents, if you remember when your children were toddlers and you would they first start to walk and you grab their hand, you held their hand everywhere they went, because, you know, some of them get kind of quick on you. And if you ain't real fast, you know, them. And the little rascals will scoot away from you in a minute. But you know, little children are always being distracted. You walk with them. They're, okay, daddy, I'm with you, daddy. I'm here, daddy, mommy, mom, I'm here, right here. And then pretty soon they see something, they want to go chase it down. Well, you got to go grab their hand and grow tighter. Well, that's the way God does with us. We see all kinds of worldly things we get interested in, but he grabs that hand tight. That's the uttermost in salvation. And so he keeps some of us, he keeps saved just like that. Those of us who don't backslide, don't walk away, don't quit going to church, don't quit praying, and don't quit believing. Sometimes it's because he's got a tight grip on us because he knows we're nosy. And he knows we're interested in that. He knows we'll get away in a minute if we could. Amen. I used to joke about, you know, people would say, oh, we come to your conference and, you know, you, everything. I say, yeah, we feed everybody. I said, most of these people wouldn't be here if I didn't give them something to eat. I said, they'd be off at McDonald's, come back late, making excuses. I said, I do this to keep them corralled in. Amen. You got to be smart sometimes when you're in charge of stuff <laughs> and listen to God, you know, because people start to grumble if they don't, if they get hungry, they grumble. I noticed that about people. That's true about myself too. You know, you can't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, the Bible says. So, so we feed the ox. Amen. I mean, it's just true. It's wisdom, but, uh, you know, that, that, but, but that's something that, uh, we learned how to do, uh, and, and I felt it was a necessary thing to do, uh, to follow through on those things that encourage people, you know, and lets people know that we care about how you feel. We care about if it's comfortable for you. We care about all those things. And so, uh, but, but God makes provision for that, you know, and that's wisdom, I think, you know, you just have to be wise about some things. But here uh, we see where Jesus heals to the uttermost. So we're going to interpret that word salvation, so-so, he saves to the uttermost. We'll change that to heal. So go to Hebrews chapter seven. I'll read it for you. And we're going to start in verse. It's talking about the priesthood. Where can I start? Nah. 15, it says, and it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arise another priest. 
Oh, interesting. Who might that be? See, the Melchizedek priesthood was one person up to the point of Jesus in the Bible. He had no descendants. The Bible says no mother, no father, no beginning, no end. Amen. And he says, verse 16, who is, is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. So this Melchizedek, because he had no beginning, no end, he just pops up in the book of Genesis and ministers for Abraham or Abram at that time. Amen. And so, uh, and Abram paid tithes into Melchizedek. And, and here you see symbolically Levi paying tithes to the higher. See, the lesser is being blessed by the better. So if Abram is paying tithes to Melchizedek, it must be that he's a higher priesthood even than the Levitical one, which would come through the descendants of Abraham. Got me? All right. From Moses, Moses was a Levite. He started that. His family started and held on to that, that priesthood dynasty forever, you know, so until Jesus came and it was ended. It says, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testified, he says, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, for there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. So, so the Levitical priesthood was doomed. I won't say doomed because it was, it was glorious when it was in operation, but it was flawed. It's obvious there were flaws in it because God wouldn't have done away with it had it been perfect. So he says, verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. So which means that the covenant we live in is a better hope covenant. It, the, the Old Testament was good from year to year, but it had to be renewed every year. This one's after the power of an endless life. It never, there's no beginning and no end to the covenant we live in now. Amen. He says, by the which we draw nigh unto God. So we draw near to God, all of us, because this is a better covenant. Amen. Because it brings a better hope. And that is that we can be perfected while we're in our mortal bodies. The Levitical priesthood couldn't make that claim. They had to wash, and if if you missed a spot and they they heard them bells quit tinkling, they yanked the rope and pulled your dead body out of there. You got me? So thank God. I mean, most of us wouldn't last a minute if we all our sins were <laughs> made us, condemned us, you know what I'm saying? So we have an endless hope or better hope uh, because it's an endless priesthood. So he says... We can draw near to God, verse 24, inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath. So the Levites never swore an oath because they had no power to swear to. Amen. Now they could say by, by, uh, their, their faith, they could do the things that they, they, uh, um, were commanded, but they couldn't swear an oath because the blood they shed was temporary from year to year. 
all oaths swear to a higher power and that power oversees. Well, they couldn't do that because if they had sworn to a higher power, that would have meant at some point those sacrifices could could terminate. See, if the oath was keeping the people, then that meant those sacrifices could terminate and they could still go on having favor with God. But they had to make them year after year after year after year. So what kept them in their priesthood was was the sacrifices, the repetitiveness of the sacrifices, the rituals. They had to be cleansed every time they stepped in to their priestly office. Now we do too, but we don't make sacrifices over and over again. Why? Because there's an oath covering it. Amen. Without an oath, there's no perpetuation of that power. But with an oath, there's a a continually renewing of that power, the power that holds those words in effect. So it says here, Levi was done. It says, for the law made nothing perfect. Thank you, Lord. Okay, sorry, verse 21. For those priests, that is the Levitical priesthood, were made without an oath. But this with an oath. By him that said to him, the Lord swore and will not repent, you are a priest forever. The oath makes it eternal. The oath makes it forever. After the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety or a guarantee of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not, uh, they were not allowed to continue by reason of death. So whenever the high priest died and, and, you know, they got older and more were coming into service at the age of 30 years and up, everyone in the tribe of Levi had to go into the service of the house of the Lord. The sons of Aaron were the high priestly ones. Amen. And then the, the other brothers had their sons, et cetera, et cetera, that came into the priesthood. But it couldn't continue because they died off and died off. When people die, you don't know what the new batch is going to be that comes in. So the priesthood could be interrupted because of death. It didn't go on continuously. And so that in itself made it a weak priesthood. Amen. So you don't want them to go on forever that's weak and won't hold up and gets interrupted and won't be there because of so-and-so happening and such-and-such happening. And so he says he's a surety for a better testament or better covenant. And they truly were many priests because they weren't allowed to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. You know, and under when with humans and they die and they come back, you might get a good one, you might get a bad one. 
I remember when Eli, when Eli was the priest and his sons were taking the best offerings and, and, uh, fornicating and in the temple door and all that kind of stuff. They just lived like heathen. So you could get anybody if it changed, but we have an unchangeable priesthood. That's what makes this covenant a better hope. A stronger, it's consistent, it's unchangeable. He says, I am the Lord God, I change not. So you can count on him to be there and, and be one that, that does the right thing all the time. He's consistent in his ministry. Uh, his rules hold up because he's the one administering under the, over this covenant. He says, but this man, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood for this reason. He is also able to save or heal them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he forever lives to make intercession for them. He's never off the job. If you, if you miss being obedient for your healing for some reason, he can pray for you and get you back obedient again. See, you always have a third, fourth, fifth, and to the uttermost. He keeps praying for us. Even when we're not faithful, he, if, when we're faithless, he remains faithful. He can't deny himself as a high priest and able to pray for us over and over and over again. He prays for us to pick up his faith. Amen. To pick up the faith of the son of God. Sometimes you start out believing God for something and you're so far off base. You know what I mean. I thought God did it like this. And then I kept reading my word and he corrected me and showed me where I was wrong. Got me back. That's evidence. This uttermost. See, he heals to the uttermost. He heals your body no matter what's wrong. He heals your, your heart no matter what's wrong. You're brokenhearted, you're discouraged, you're whatever it is. You miss God some kind of way. You don't know how you missed him because you thought you were believing him. You find out later you weren't even in, you weren't in the uh, first base faith. <laughs> even though he let you walk to get on. Amen. You didn't hit that bat one time. He gave you a walk and you got on base. <laughs> Y'all know that's the truth. <laughs> remember Cece used to say, remember you didn't have nothing and then you finally got something, put a big smile on your face and God answered your prayer because you knew you wasn't contributing much to it. Amen. And so we, this is the uttermost of God. See, these, these situations are never hopeless. Don't ever walk away from a prayer you've been, that you've sown seed into, that you've watered, that you've nurtured. See, uh, many times, the enemy works and works and works at us and keeps jabbing and picking and jabbing and picking. And he finally breaks through on us. And he'll make people think that their whole Christian life hinges on the answer to one prayer. Because we all think that way. 
I heard uh, Carolyn Scholl used to call it the biggie. You know, <laughs> and see to people who are, you know, if you're just starting in the faith, you think, oh, is that bad? Is that good? Is that whatever, whatever? And, uh, you know, she's she's like third generation, I guess. Minister Kojic, I think they are ministers and they're holiness people. And see, they know better than to put your whole life in God on the answer to one prayer. So she could say it with tongue in cheek, but we thought like your life would have been, when she said you can't have a biggie or you have to wait on the biggie, we think, oh my goodness, how am I going to make it if I don't get the biggie? Yes, my whole Christian existence hinges. And see, it's because it's such a familiar trap of the devil to get you to walk away from serving God because you get frustrated at the delay of one answer. Because you're not even in the spirit anymore. You're looking in the natural. See, when he can get our, distract us over into the natural realm, he's got us. That's why it's good to slap yourself 15 times and sober yourself up and say, hey, I'm not looking at nothing. I'm keeping my eyes in my Bible. I'm believing God. And, and, you know, I don't care what happens out here in the natural realm. I don't care what it looks like. I'm not looking anymore. And you go over and stay in Romans 4 where Abraham considered not. Amen. Amen. He staggered not. He did all them nots and he received the promise of God. He received the uttermost blessing because he was totally on the fringes, on the ends of his faith. And, and God came through for him because we have a God who heals to the uttermost, restores to the uttermost, redeems to the uttermost. He does everything to the uttermost. Amen. So he can heal us to the uttermost because he ever lives to make intercession for us. It is when we fall down on the job and we think we're in faith, but we're not in faith. He can tap us on the shoulder and give us a scripture, maybe the same one over again. And it becomes real to us. And we think, oh, my goodness, what have I been spending my time? Well, you just let your mind wander. That's all. And you've been living in in natural mindset. And get right back over in spiritual mindset where you can live and begin to thank God for what he's given you already. I received it when I prayed, Father, I'm, uh, forgive me from walking away from that truth and from thinking you didn't want me to have this or thinking me all hope was gone and looking at what was going on in the natural. He lives forever to make intercession for us. Sometimes when, when we think our Answer to prayer depends on another human being. And I think to myself, man, I lived like that for years and was angry, upset, and frustrated because I was convinced that person was stronger than God and they could hold up my blessing. We all think that way. And then some devil will come by and say, well, I don't know. You people have to want to change. Listen, when God found me, I didn't want nothing. I just wanted help. After I got help, change came with the help. I didn't change nothing. I just said yes to help. Well, maybe y'all was all holy and stuff when you came to God, but I sure wasn't. You know, I said yes to help. 
There's drug addicts that say yes to help many times. And God will get them off drugs for a season. They go back again. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not about, oh, you got to, or God won't cross human will. He don't have to. He can't violate the human will. Like the will is so strong. Uh You know, junkies make up their minds every night. They're not going to touch that stuff. That's the will. Their will says no all the time, and then the devil sends them uh, a cramp in their stomach or or something that, that looks like withdrawal, and they say yes to it just that quick. Will, the will flopped over so fast. So if you think that's a problem to God, you got another thought coming. He says, I am the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? That means he's the God of all flesh. Not somebody who's waiting for flesh to turn to him. He's the Lord and God over all flesh. He knows how to work with stubborn flesh. He knows how to work with weak flesh, strong flesh, fleshing out flesh. He ain't scared of your relatives or anybody else you know. You kidding me? It's like a, a a nursing mother says she's scared of her baby. I'm thinking ain't no such thing. That baby needs you so bad. He'd probably do anything you tell him to do if he could listen, you know. <laughs> it's easy to to control things that you're more powerful than. God can do it. Don't think he can. He wouldn't offer up household salvation if he couldn't make it make good on it. See what I'm saying? That's why he offers it. So what the word uttermost means, I thought we'd look at this a little bit. It also, it means extreme. God heals to the extreme. Amen. He heals to the extreme. What does that mean? To extreme means or uttermost means it from the whole of. So God heals from the whole of your disease. Every little bit of it he'll get rid of. So it's like some people say, for instance, if they have uh, uh, symptoms of of heart disease and they may get uh, in a, a normal EKG, normal enough to that they have to take a little bit of medication here and there for the difficult times. Well, to heal from the whole of means that he gets rid of difficult times, too. So you don't have to have the pills. Even though we thank God for the pills because we ain't dead. Amen. His mind is to get you totally healed. If he can get you in the mindset to get rid of this whole devil, he'll get rid of it for you. So he never really plans that we settle for. Because if he did, he would cut off this uttermost thing. See, if it was for a matter of getting better enough to function, or better enough to function with some help from the natural realm, then we would we he couldn't make this claim. He couldn't make the claim that he heals to the uttermost or he saves to the uttermost. If it was his plan for us to stop at a certain level in our pursuit of health. Amen. We're a pursuit of salvation. If you if you're not willing to give up on on uh Uncle Uncle Tim and and Aunt Mary, who've been drug addicts 
ever since you've known them, they're up in their 60s and 70s now, and they're still smoking dope. If it's not your desire to give up on them, keep praying. Because God wants them delivered. I mean, it's not too hard. He doesn't care. Longevity of sin means nothing to God. Or longevity of disease or symptoms or anything. We see the man who was in, uh, who had been laying down on that cot for 38 years. He was on that cart longer than Jesus had been born. And he got up first time Jesus told him to get up and he believed and obeyed. He got up and was free of that, period. See what I'm saying? So longevity of illness, longevity of symptoms, and, and I'm sure his muscles had deteriorated. You know, who's going to give him, him physical therapy every day to keep his muscles strong? Say so anybody that was paralytic, lying somewhere, whatever, whatever, even blind people, some of them probably made a fairly decent living if they were good at begging, but they didn't like being blind and they let it be known. See what I'm saying? So there's a comfort zone or a, a stagnant zone sometimes in everybody's approach to healing. Sometimes when you say you've been feeling pretty comfortable where you are with your health, even though you have uh, some some natural things that you depend on, sometimes something will happen and you get uncomfortable with it, you know, and it's like God's nudging you and saying, okay, come on now. I want to do the rest of it. You with me? You want this? Amen. And so, you know, I would take it like that. Sometimes people think, oh, that means I'm getting worse. No, that means you got to press in for the all of it, for the uttermost. You got to press for the uttermost. Amen. You got to uh, use your faith for the, uh, you got to really realize there are more faith in you to be used than what's being used now at the level you're at now. So sometimes it looks like it's getting worse before it gets better because God's trying to nudge you to believe him for the uttermost. He says, look, I can go all the way with this. I don't want you to stop right here. I want you to press because you've got it in you. It's not going to cost you anymore. Whatever you're doing right now to believe me, do it more intensely, do it more uh, deliberately. Sometimes do it more consistently. Uh, Sometimes grab that thought that you used to just let stay in your head. Sometimes you need to grab that and cast it down. That's a simple thing to do. Just not let let every thought that's negative stay in your brain. Challenge some of that stuff. Make it quit. Make it go away. Make it stop. I was thinking, you know, I, I got up from where I was sitting down a few days ago, and I noticed something that goes through my brain every time. Every time I, it's, I get up and it's kind of stiff, and I said, "Well, Barb, you're, you know, whatever my age is, I ain't telling y'all, I'm nosy." Anyway, you know, so-and-so years old, I repeat my age to myself. And I caught myself, wait a minute, devil. Then I thought, I said, that really ain't the devil, that's you. You done adopted his way of thinking. See how subtle he is? It's like, like, oh, Barb, well, just sit there and let me cripple you because of your age. See, because that's where it's headed. It's just, it's a, it's a stiffness now, but pretty soon if I keep thinking that it's normal, 
because of my age, there's no stopping the devil what he's going to do. You know, it's stiffness now. Next time it's going to be you can't get up at all if he had anything to do with it. And so God is an uttermost God. He wants to help us to the uttermost. And see, many times we don't think it's as simple as changing what we say. We don't think it's as simple as changing our words. But if you want to have what you say, you can have what you say. And see, you're thinking it now and you think you're getting away with something because you're just thinking it. But you're saying it on some level. What did the woman with an issue of blood, she said, within herself. It's very important what you say within yourself because it's convincing you of what to do because pretty soon you're going to follow through up. Even if you don't say it out loud, you're going to follow up on it some kind of way. It's affecting your faith. It's affecting what you believe. And see, sometimes we get this religious thought in us and we think if we don't say it, if we don't say it around and see, this is what we do. We think what we want to do. When we're by ourselves, when we get around the saints, we change it up. Oh, glory to God. Oh, I'm healed. Oh, it's, oh, 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 oh liars. Double-minded. Jesus said, don't let that person think they're going to get anything from God. <laughs> that came from his brother. I said, well, his brother would know, wouldn't he? He probably tried to con Jesus of a lot of stuff, and he just look at him, keep going. So James said, don't let that man think he going to get anything from God. You ain't getting it. Amen. <laughs> so anyway, so at uttermost, it means from the whole of, from all of it, not leaving a trace. Don't leave a speck. Don't leave a crumb. Don't compromise with the devil. Don't put up. Because it's there for you. The whole of it is there for you. If God says he heals, he heals. Doesn't mean he starts and stops. Doesn't mean you get a little bit and get satisfied. Don't mean any of that. It means the whole of it. So keep expecting more healing, more health, fewer symptoms. This goes away. That goes away. Amen. Even if you have to ask God, show me some progress, Lord. I need your help with something. Just show me some progress. And once he shows you some progress, you got to keep expecting it. Now, you can't go back to not expecting anything and get weak on the expector. You know, don't don't uh, put your expector up on the top shelf of your closet. Amen. Keep it down there where you can get at it and wear it often. Amen. Like your favorite T-shirt or your favorite cap or your favorite anything. Wear your expector on a regular basis. Uh, uttermost means from among. So when he heals to the uttermost, he brings you out from among your symptoms. Totally. He goes and grabs you and yanks your body out of the symptoms and brings them over where he is into divine health. He brings you out from among, uttermost. It means you get a highest degree of health and healing more so than anybody else you know. You understand what I'm saying? It can go over and above what the average person receives from God. Got me? So God expects us to follow through on these things. Amen. He expects us to have some input of our faith. 
And faith is an action. It's not, it's not just I believe or waiting on it, believing and waiting. It's you're doing something to move toward it. You're doing something like you're really going after it. Amen. The faith without works is dead. James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. Amen. He doesn't have to really try and verbally convince people of anything. He said, you want to see my faith? I'll show it to you by what I do. Amen. This is what I do. And so it means to end. The uttermost means the end of a thing. It also means the border or boundary. It means to, what is this, eliminate completely, perfectly, amen. It means the ends of the earth. Don't you like that? God goes to, Jesus goes to the ends of the earth to capture your healing. I mean, like heaven and earth will pass away, but his word abides forever so he's already spoken that he says if this earth ends i'm gonna heal you if me and you is just floating out in the middle of who knows where i'm still praying for you i'll heal you he goes to the ends of the earth for our healing to uttermost means the limit at which a thing ceases to be So Jesus is only limited to the point where your illness is totally gone. Every single symptom is disappeared. Amen. That's what it means. He's going to go to the uttermost end to end your symptoms. It means the end of a state, eternal, extremity. If Jesus went to the ends of the earth for us, he also went inside the gates of hell. Amen. The Bible says he spoiled principalities and powers and made an open show of them, which means he went in their domain. Amen. He led captivity captive. So he's already gone into the gates and the bowels of hell and retrieved every soul that was believing. He spoiled. That means he took Satan's goodies away from him that he has stolen from mankind. So the devil has nothing. He stripped, bankrupt, toothless, brainless, all of the above. He's just very angry. The only thing he's been left with is a whole bunch of anger. Amen. Great wrath. Why? Because his number's been pulled already. He knows he doesn't have much time. So he's got to destroy what he can while he can. That's why Jesus heals to the uttermost. That's why he goes to the end of the earth and beyond to retrieve our healing. So he's already gone to hell and retrieved our healing. He took from Satan everything that the curse brought to us. So Satan has no more power to to levy the curse on the righteous, on those who will come to Christ. Even 
sinners can get healed because they believe God. Amen. So that's uttermost right there. If he'll if he'll step over into the realm of darkness where people aren't even believing him. Why? He's a God of mercy. So he's uttermost merciful to his enemies even. Amen. If they'll yield to him for that period of time, he can lift off that curse off of them so that they can hear his voice and yield to the faith that he's offering them to receive their healing. Many, many times you see it's every example in the Bible. Actually, those people weren't born again. They they were in covenant. The Jews were in covenant. But you see over and over again, it's not just Jewish people is getting healed. It's sinners. It's everybody. Amen. It's it's Roman soldiers coming up begging for their servants to be healed. All that kind of stuff. And so so it's these are mercy healings. Amen. So that's why it's always good to stand on the mercy of God, even when you have a covenant with him. Amen. When you have a covenant with him, that gives you access, amen, and and faith to believe. But as far as putting a demand and all this, God's not our enemy. When we are in covenant, he's our friend. So your fight isn't with him to get it to make him to do something for you. Your fight is with the devil to make him leave you alone. Leave your stuff alone that God's already given to you. Amen. So don't ever put God in the place of being your adversary. He's always your friend. Is is the question is, are you friends with him through keeping covenant? Amen. And through through applying the blood to your life on a continual basis. So Jesus, even inside the gates of hell, if he's gone to the ends of the earth, that means he's gone into hell itself and spoiled principalities and powers on our behalf. That's why Ephesians 3.10 tells us that we can, can make known principalities and powers, the manifold wisdom of God. You're not telling God to heal you. You're telling the devil to get off you. As God's healed you already. Amen. You're telling God, I've received my healing when I prayed and I'm expecting all these symptoms to leave me in Jesus name. Amen. To me right now, they're only symptoms. It's not disease. I do not have disease. Amen. So when we come to the end of natural or man's health, then Jesus heals to the uttermost. So God doesn't mind you getting some help in the natural to keep you alive, to keep you functioning, to keep you whatever. But you've got to remember that his best is still ahead of you. That's the uttermost. Until the uttermost ends of the earth have been pursued and the word comes back empty handed, you keep believing the word. Because it's never going to come back and say, I couldn't do that, even though that was extreme, even though it was terminal, even though the doctors gave up, even though you couldn't find a pastor or a minister that wanted to pray for you, could offer you any hope, even though, amen, that's the uttermost. That means he'll go above, beyond, to the ends of the earth, to the extreme to deliver you from the whole of, from among them, bring you out from among the sick into the healed of the Lord. He'll do, he'll pursue all of that. Why? Because he's ever praying for us. See, if you think you're at the end of your prayers, you better wake up because he's not at the end of his. Until he tells you he's at the end of his, you better keep praying. Amen. 
So we must come to him by way of the blood of Christ. Amen. Says he ever lives to make intercession for us. Amen. Those that come to God by him, by him, by him, by faith in his blood, by faith in the atoning work of Christ, by faith in Calvary. Amen. So his blood redeems. It means sickness is not for you. Because of the blood, it's bought you out of the power of sickness. His blood cleanses. No sin can remain on us. Amen. It cannot remain. As long as you confess and yield to God, it cannot remain. Many times we need to get our souls. You know, the problem with a lot of Christians is not so much that, that they're so bad. It's that they don't follow through on what it takes to stay in friendship with God, you know, in covenant with God and, and allow that mind to transform the word to transform and renew their minds. You can be a saved person, but still think like a sinner because you haven't let the word meditate on the word enough for your mind to be changed and renewed. So the minute something in the natural pops up, you get that gets your attention and you go running off after it like you've never had a touch from God or anything. So you have to stay with the word. You got to meditate on the word, you know, in the area where you need help. So if, if it's symptoms in your body, why are you looking for scriptures that give you money? You know, you, you may not live long enough to spend it. So get off the the prosperity, financial prosperity, and get on what you need, and that's health and healing. Amen? Some people don't know how to let stuff go. You know, it's you prospering you in health as your soul prospers. Your whole soul has to prosper. So if if you've got a lot of money scriptures in your brain, you don't have enough health in there, you got to get with the health. That's on you to meditate on that and 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 make your mind, your soul rich in the word of God, where it, it pertains to health and healing. Then you won't be so quick to run off when symptoms start to to attack you. You'll be able to stand because you got something in you to stand on. you got a platform that you built through meditating on the word. By his stripes, I am healed. You don't have to follow up on symptoms every time they they pick up, you know? It's like, there's some things you have to consider not. Once you get brave enough to quit considering like the main symptom, you know, the biggie is how you feel from day to day. You just quit considering that and keep going on and believe that you're getting better every day instead of worse. Amen. See, many times symptoms will, you know, pain, especially that's one that people People can, it's easy to let that guide you through life, especially if, if you've been given a diagnosis that there's no cure for. And so you can get into that, that box of noticing your pain and letting that determine your faith level for getting better. So if I got a pain today or today was, you know, we say you had a, a good day or a bad day. Uh, it was a, a bad day because you had pain. Well, why? What makes that bad? Why can't all your days be good and forget about the pain? 
See, what, what, what the enemy's trying to do is get you to use pain as an indication of whether your prayer is working. I'm going to say it again. He's trying to get you to use pain as an indication of whether your prayer is working. It means nothing. It means nothing. It means nothing. It means nothing. The natural means nothing when it comes to whether or not your faith is working because it's the faith of the Son of God and he will save you to the uttermost. That means you can have 10 days of pain straight and still on the 11th day say, I am healed and I'm better. I'm not worse, I'm better. It means nothing. And see, there will come a day when you get tired of chasing symptoms. You'll say to yourself, you know what, God, I sit here and I notice how I feel too much. When you get to that, I notice it too much realization, you're on your way to the uttermost. You see what I'm saying? Because you cross that hurdle of, of letting your mind go the way of the natural symptom. Like God might be moving on you to get up and do something you've never done before. But if you notice pain all the time, you're not going to do it. You're going to do those things that you think are keeping you from feeling pain. You're going to be careful over that area because natural people do that. I mean, that's what keeps us alive in the natural. If you're jogging somewhere and you hear a gunshot and you feel pain, you can stop and look and see if that, did something hit me? Am I shot? Am I whatever? If you're a person of faith, you jog yourself and you see that red cross up there and that light, neon light that says ambulance entrance. (laughs) Take off running right on to that ER and get there just in time. If you're a faith person. You got me? If you're an extreme faith person, you keep running and expect to see a a healed wound when you get home. (laughs) And this is not pushing past the pain. This is the faith of the Son of God that says no weapon formed against you will prosper. If you eat any deadly thing, it will hurt you. Huh? Got to learn how to bless your food and throw it down before somebody comes and takes it from you. (laughs) So his blood redeems. We said that it cleanses from all unrighteousness. Against righteousness, there is no law. So there's nothing to stop you from receiving everything you want from God because of your righteousness. That is his righteousness. Amen. The blood, the blood bought righteousness. That's what we're talking about. So no sin can remain on your soul as a hindrance to your, your health. Amen. That's extreme. It is payment and propitiation. That means that God is satisfied with the blood being total payment for you. Amen. 
He's satisfied. He's the only one you have to please in this. It doesn't matter what the doctor says or your kids say or your family or the saints or anybody else you think has something to say about your condition. Does not matter. God's satisfied with the sacrifice. Once the sacrifice is accepted by God, there's nothing else for you to do but to accept the sacrifice yourself. Amen? So that puts you and God in agreement. Jesus paid it all. There's nothing I need to do but believe him and act accordingly. Amen? Act like you believe him. Amen? Act like you believe him. Sometimes people do need to work against the pain. If the pain comes, get up and do what you were afraid to do anyway. And keep doing it. It may not, it may not, the, the total symptoms may not go away the first time you move against that. Amen. Sometimes you had to train your mind to move against things that it used to be held captive by. Amen. I'm serious. You, you've got to do these things sometimes. If you feel the prompting of God to do, you say, God, I want to do more. I don't want to be so limited in, in my, uh, abilities to do this or do that. I don't care what it is. It, it can be healing. It can be, uh, um, uh, pursuing a career. It can be pursuing school. It can be pursuing, uh, uh, wealth, whatever it is. You know, some people want to, I want to make a lot of money. They'll think one day I'll make enough money. I want to do this, uh, but they never make a move toward doing more. You got to put your hand towards something. Your faith has got to move you to do something that you have not done before in order to get something you haven't had before. So this is true with everything. Amen. It's true with everything. So, so we've got to be that way. We got to be that way. Be willing to step out and take a chance. Be willing to do something consistently that you haven't done before. I remember the testimony about there was a little paralyzed girl and they brought her into Oral Roberts tent to be, be prayed for. Many of the paralyzed people they didn't take out in the main main auditorium they had a prayer room or a prayer tent behind the the curtains where they bought brought the most extreme cases amen the uttermost cases for jesus to heal so she was the uttermost case and and uh after they had the oral roberts had another i forget that brother's name he was with him for tons of years Oh, I forget his name, but he would pray for the sick as well because he was trained. Brother Oral it laid hands on him. He was anointed. And, and as Oral was working with people out in the auditorium, this brother and some more helpers would work with people there. And, and they were given the, the instruction. Now do something you couldn't do before. Do something. Move something. Amen. And, and some of them would make motions to move shoulders and arms. Well, this little girl started blinking her eyes. That's all she could do. And she blinked and blinked and blinked and blinked. And pretty soon strength came into her legs. She jumped up off that cot and ran around. She said, see, mama, I told you I was going to be healed. I told you. You see, her faith was dead without works. And an appointment to meet the anointing to do the job. 
And see, if the healer leave, lives in you, you you have an appointment for the anointing at any time. That's why the Bible says you could be healed at any time. That it, what, that when you hear you with your eyes, see with your ears, understand with your heart and get converted. Your mind one day will tell you, yeah, why are you sitting here? You need to do something. Today's the day. Not today could be the day. Today is the day. You got me? So when you take all the, 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 the escape hatches out of it and nail yourself down to a specific time in a specific place. That's when it happens. Amen. That's when it happens because he heals to the uttermost. He's not tried tired of working with us. He hasn't given up on us. Are you kidding me? On your worst days, he's still for you. Oh yeah. I'm telling you on your down days, he's there for you. Amen. You know, them little personal trainers we pay for, they they get sick of you in a minute. You, I don't know how you can just sit there. You know, you're going to have to put in some muscle and all that. God keeps working with you. Holy Spirit keeps working with you. Amen. He never tired of working with you. Amen. Even though you'd have a down day and an off day, he keeps working with you. Amen. Amen. So the blood makes us pleasing to God. We're forgiven. We're all washed up, cleaned up, ready to work for him. And and it also makes peace with God. Huh? The blood is our peace. Amen. Often our first step in the healing process is peace. And peace and contentment. So that we're not stressed, we're not in pain, we're not strained, we're not, you understand, what we're not uncomfortable, even though it may take a season or two for us to get the full of our healing. You know, a lot of healings are instant, many of them also are not instant. So we, we're healed as we went, you know, we say that all the time. And, and, but at some point, wenting, the healing will overtake the winting. See, when they, those lepers didn't keep walking forever. They got their healing, you know, as they went to show themselves to the priest. As long as they were on their way to the priest, they were in healing mode. Anybody who quit and turned around and went back didn't get it. It just happened that all of these went. But there, you can quit and quit winting. And just go back and sit down where you came from. So you got to continue to win. Sometimes you need to get up every day and say, God, show me what I need to do to win today. Show me what I need to do. Holy Spirit will help you. Holy Spirit, I'm winning. I want it. I'm winning. I'm on my way. What do I do now? And it's always a way to challenge yourself off of where you are. Amen. To challenge yourself off of where you are. Sometimes it's really changing your thoughts about a thing. Because fear sometimes will walk along with us in our winting. Huh? You'll be going along in faith and then you, you get, <laughs> you get a, a distracting thought. It's like somebody came right alongside of the faith and gave you a thought and pushed faith out the way. And now you going with that thing. Self pity is a good one to take you on a walk. Huh? 
he'll come alongside you and, and, and say, yeah, okay, faith, you take a break, faith. And, you know, come on now, you know, especially when you say stuff like I'm tired or I, I don't, I can't do this. I'm, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, 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 and you limit and then faith just dropped your hand because he had no choice. You chose to think you were through, you were tired, it's too hard. I don't want to do that. I can't do that. That's not going to help me. Huh? And you get all judgmental and, and haughty on the thing. That uh, What's that going to do? See, when you get there, you've been long off the, off the right road. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, them, them thoughts come to us. You know they do. And you it's because you spend too much time over in fear and self-pity mode. You got nothing to feel sorry for yourself about. You're a wealthy person if you'll just cash in. Huh? You're a prosperous person. You're not a pitiful person. You know, you, you can't take pity to the bank. Amen? You can't buy nothing with that stuff. Huh? Nothing. Amen? So, so your, 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 um, uh, walk must be a blood walk. You've got to walk through blood. Amen. Just like Jesus did. He, he walked when, when God cut covenant between him and his son, the, the burning furnace and the smoking lantern, they stood in blood when they, they made that covenant. They stood in eternity to make that covenant with Abraham. Amen. And so you, you have to understand the power of the blood for the uh, uh, eternal atonement, the eternal cleansing. Amen. When you get the peace of God, don't let it make you uh, quit looking to get relieved amen or get get the uttermost in your healing amen so peace is is just that but peace also has with it a motivation for more peace for an eternal peace like you know if if you've got an alleviation of symptoms because you believe you received it when you prayed and and you're feeling well then you've got to realize that that peace might be short-lived if symptoms start attacking you again. And so you got to realize, okay, God, it's time for me to move and believe you for more right now. See, I'm not going to stay right here where I am forever. I'm thanking you. I'm blessing you. And moving really just means to have a determination to get it all. God, what do I do now to show you I want it? I want the rest of it. Is there something I can do? Don't say, what am I doing wrong? That's condemning yourself. See, many times we have the right idea, but we have the wrong mindset to attain it. If you're using the blood, the power of God, his faith, his words, what's wrong about all that? There's nothing wrong about it. What's wrong is you're condemning it for some reason. You you let the enemy come in there and start talking to you and telling you. You know, it's funny when when we live for the devil all the time, he never told us we were doing wrong stuff all the time. It's like now that we're serving God, we wrong all the time. 
You ever notice? I've noticed it. I don't know if anybody, maybe you live higher than I do, but I sure have noticed it. Uh, Mr. Devil, come on now. You didn't bug me like this when I was serving you all the time and trying to be this and trying to be that. Why so much interest now? Because you're on the right road. Just stay on that road and don't let him pull you off. Huh? Philippians 4, 6 tells us if we have a need to make our request known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding becomes your guard. Peace is a sign that you're okay with God. Huh? Once you pray, he said, make your supplication and thanksgiving. Make your request known unto God. In other words, all kinds of prayer may be needed to get peace that God's heard you and his, his, your answer's on the ways. Amen? So when you have peace, that means God's giving you his holy handshake. Your answer's imminent. You might get the whole of it right then and there. You may get, but you'll get something, you'll get peace, and it's usually followed up with some kind of, of um, sign, some kind of evidence that the rest of it's coming, See, that he heard you, it's been granted, and the rest of it is coming. Amen. So, so we make our request and peace settles in as a result of faith applied. You have a sense of well-being, and that guards your heart and your mind. Don't ever stray some so far away in following up on what symptoms mean that you let your peace get disturbed. Always, you have a you have the ability to change your thoughts. That same uh, book of, of in Philippians tells you that think what things to think on. So that you'll keep your peace. Amen. Whatever's true, think on his word. I am healed. Devil, you're a liar. I'm not said I'm like getting worse, I'm getting better. Amen. And and you know, you sometimes we need to press into God and say, God, show me where the better is. Show me so that I know I'm getting better. Amen. I don't want it to just be me saying it without really saying it from the depths of my spirit. You know what I'm saying? I, I want to be firm in that. And he can make you firm in these things. Amen. And so peace will settle in as a result of us applying our faith. Your sense of well-being then guards your heart and your mind. When peace is disturbed, it is likely that we stop believing in our covenant and pick up natural attention. Something in the natural gets our attention, and we begin to build that up in our thinking. You know, like say if if your your pain is a symptom, sometimes we'll let pain immobilize us and get our focus until it leaves. And this is why we do it. We believe that when pain comes, it automatically means it's getting worse. 
You can't think like that if you're under the word. You've got to believe this pain means nothing. This pain means this pain is here. That's all. I'm getting rid of it, but I am getting better. See, don't let pain push you to a setback every time it comes. Amen. And don't limit your activities because of fear of pain. If your faith is leading you to do it. Now, if you're just wanting to get up and do stuff to prove something, stop it. You don't have to prove anything. You understand what I'm saying? You don't prove God through moving against symptoms. You're already healed. So you're not proving anything. Amen. You're, you're, but you've got to be careful to go with your inner man's faith, not outer things to, to try and, and get rid of it. Amen. Cause it's leaving. If you believe it's leaving, it's leaving every day. It's just sometime when symptoms show up, you have a tendency to quit believing it's getting better and start believing it's getting worse. You got me? So that's why it's good to, to change your thoughts. When a symptom shows up, change what you think. I'm healed. I'm better. It's getting better. It's, 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 we're there, God. I thank you that I'm here already. I am healed. Amen. And, and that feeds your spirit. It feeds your body the word. And then pretty soon, uh, that word will manifest. Amen. Totally. It'll give you a total manifestation of what God's promised you. So we make our request. Peace settles in as a result. Amen. And that peace will remain undisturbed. As long as you stay in faith, amen, you stay with the word. Keep your mind trained on the things that are good and lovely, a good report, amen, amen. And keep self-pity out of your mind. Don't sit around and, you know, lament that you can't do certain things. Think that, you know, oh, it's been a long time. It's how long has it been? Just don't do that. Men, you can't afford to do it. You, those things are enemies of your faith. Self-pity will kill your faith. Amen. And, and wanting to be cared for in the natural and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You, you got to stop that. Amen. So, and, and be vigilant over it because it's very subtle, you know. Uh, pity's very subtle. Sometimes you can think, well, you know, um, I, I need help here and who's going to help me and when it's going to get better and, no, 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 you know, can do that. You don't want to do that. You want to keep your mind trained and we all do it. You know, it's easy to get distracted from off the, off the beaten, beaten course. You know, uh, if if you get to the point where you can't do things, just believe God to send help to get them done if they're necessary. You know, sometimes stuff ain't as necessary. The devil will bug you about stuff sometimes. And it's not really necessary stuff. You know, I, I was thinking I looked at my my living room. It's been in disarray for like two months. You know, I've had to take this stuff out of the kitchen, put it in there till they get the kitchen finished. It was in October and it was still in disarray. You understand what I'm saying? As, as much as several days ago when I just finally 
had somebody over and cleaned it. You understand what I'm saying? Um, I don't have the energy to do all that cleaning. You know, I moved the stuff. I made it a mess. I don't have the energy to clean it up. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> if I can slip up somebody some money, I'm like what Tom Sawyer had all them dudes painting Aunt Polly's fence. He never hit a lick at nothing. I'm the original Tom Sawyer. Amen. I don't feel bad about it. I don't condemn myself for it. I don't uh uh-uh. uh. Cause if I can if I can delegate it, I will. Honestly, you know, there's some things I have to do that that I can't delegate. And those are on the top of my list. Things I can go way down to the bottom. And so uh, and it was nice to have a clean living room, but it's not essential. I'm the only one there. You know, if I can turn my eyes away from it for 40 days and 40 nights, will do. Amen. Will do. Because I'm not going to wreck myself making an issue of things that aren't an issue. You know, sometimes part of your healing is de-issuing your life, decluttering your mind, Martha, of things that you think must get done. Amen. Now, I'm not saying by any means live like I do. You live like you want to live, but don't disturb your peace in God in order to get things done. The things aren't that bad. You'll find that out. I had to learn that when I was uh, sick with a nervous breakdown because everything I couldn't do overwhelmed me. It was a bother to me, you know, and there were many things I couldn't do. When everything you think about doing makes you nervous, you don't do much. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I had to let God walk me through that. I could have been like the demoniac. In fact, when I first read that scripture, I said, God, you mean this man was crazy and he lived by himself and you healed him instantly? How come I can't have that? Well, I didn't get it. I had to walk through it. You understand? I walk through it so I can teach people. See, instant healings sometimes don't give you much understanding unless you pursue it. Amen? The people that come back and give thanks are the pursuers. People who keep walking. So 90% keep going and never go back to God and try to get, God, I'm so thankful you healed me. I'm, can, what can I do for you? And he'll give you understanding of your healing so that you can help other people. that got healed of the lepers didn't come back. Just one came back to give thanks, and he got understanding. He never showed up at the priest. Why? Because he got new covenant understanding of healing. He was told his faith made him whole. The other ones didn't get that understanding because they kept going. They were after the healing only. They knew going to the priest was part of getting the healing. They had to get their names checked off and cleared by the priest so they can go back into society. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that. But there are times when God does something extraordinary for you and he wants you to give back in the measure you got. And I'm not saying go and, and rent a tent 
and think you're a healing minister. I'm saying just let God walk you through it and be humble enough to stay with him and show you what he wants you to do with him. Got me? All believers are to lay hands on the sick so we can all walk through something so that we'll know how to minister it to other people. No, don't be so busy trying to avoid difficulty. (laughs) You're going to be the one that walks right into it because you can't avoid it. It's here. Amen. There's some things that we've been spared of. Thank God. But there's some things we got to walk through. Amen. Amen. So people who, uh, there are people in the Bible who believed in uttermost healing. Amen. That's how you receive an uttermost healing. You got to believe God will go the extra mile. You got to believe Jesus will go to the ends of the earth to get you or your loved one healed. You got to believe he'll go to the extreme to help you and get you whole. Amen. So when you start believing in extreme God, and you know, when, when I think you start believing extreme is when you realize that you have done everything you know to do as far as you know to do it. And you can't go any further until God comes and shows you something else. You got me? As long as we can think of one more vitamin, one more injection, one more. You understand what I'm saying? We keep going through our, you'll never get to this extreme place. Because you'll always be thinking of some natural means to help yourself. But when you get to the point where you finally admit, God, I'm I'm doing the best I can with what I know. What do I need to do now? Sometimes he'll say nothing. You can just keep doing what you're doing. You get the understanding you're doing it, but you got to do it some more. He wants us to do it as a routine and a lifestyle. So many people do it long enough to get free and then just walk on off like they didn't get anything. You know, they're not obligated to help they're not obligated to pray for anybody they're not obligated to they just want to get healed so they can go resume their frivolous life huh oh i want to be able to get up and do this again i want to be able to get up it's best to just say god i got no plans for after i get for why i want to get well i got no reason except your bible promises it Amen. And and I've been looking forward to being free from symptoms. I've been looking forward to being able to do. I've been looking forward to this thing or that thing. Don't have any kind of toy things in mind, you know, because you start putting those. That becomes your God after a while. That'll become your focus. And you can't focus on the healer. You start focusing on the lifestyle after you're healed. And so many times that will hinder. You get your focus scattered and you won't be able to do what you think you are supposed to do. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop tomorrow? We'll finish this up. Amen. And go through some examples. Why don't we do our declaration? I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. Well, thank you, Lord, that by your stripes, we are healed. Amen, 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 and again, it's so decreed. Amen? Amen.